from Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHICDC Global Health Podcast, the podcast that highlights stories from the PHICDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention-funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Sturton-Hall, the program's administration and communications lead. Today's episode is slightly different than normal for us. In July 2022, our program invited fellows to present on their work throughout the year in a virtual event called the Fellows Showcase. To start things off, you'll hear our program director, Mike Sage, MPH, introduce the event and Global Health Security Fellow and host of the event that day, Will Jardell, MPH, take it from there. Fellows and CDC mentors and CDC host office staff from the U.S. and from all over the world tuned in to hear what our fellows had been working on. Fellows based in the U.S. and the country of Georgia are highlighted in this episode and topics include capacity building, operations, and relationships. Welcome everybody to this year's the 2022 Fellow Showcase, and I just really want to thank all of you for all your work over the past year, mentors, CDC program staff, uh, and uh, and all the fellows uh, for support of CDC, for support of Global Health, and for support of the Global Health Fellows Program. Um, we're going. I want to just jump right into the program and. Will uh, Jardell has uh, graciously agreed to MC the showcase. Uh, and so I'll just turn it over to you, Will. Great, thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining us for the Fellow Showcase. My name is Will Jardell and I'm a Global Health Security Fellow working within the Applied Research Team in the Division of Global Health Protection. Without further ado, let's get started with our first topic area, capacity building. And our first presenter, Sarah Laguerre. Sarah is a PHICDC Global Health Surveillance Fellow with the Division of Global Health Protection in the country of Georgia, supporting antimicrobial resistance and pan-respiratory disease surveillance. In the first year of her fellowship, Sarah worked in Ethiopia on COVID-19 diagnostics and seroprevalence building laboratory networks, respiratory and acute uh, febrile illness surveillance, CARES Act cooperative agreements, and field epidemiology training program mentorship. Sarah, the floor is yours. Thanks, Will, for the introduction. Um, So today I'm speaking about the work I've been doing on antimicrobial resistance here in Georgia and in the Eastern Europe and Central Asia regional office. Um, just for background, as as you mentioned, Will, um, I wasn't originally placed here. I arrived here sort of unexpectedly in November when I was evacuated from Ethiopia um, because of the war there. So I came to Tbilisi as my safe haven location, and um, then in March transitioned to work here full time. So the AMR program here in Georgia has been um, stagnant for a few years because the CDC country office um, was set to be closed in 2018 and hasn't been well staffed or funded until this was designated as the regional office um, last year. So a lot of our work is focused on restarting and renewing activities. Over, sorry, next. Um, So this slide shows the levels of AMR governance on the left and the work I'm coordinating on the right. So from the bottom up, um, we established 
a working group to support the National Reference Laboratory to become an accredited provider of external quality assurance for clinical labs that participate in surveillance of resistant pathogens in Georgia. And then last month, we held a stakeholder workshop to establish a new surveillance protocol for AMR um, and to establish new governance structures to coordinate it, as well as developing a plan for next steps, working towards um, a new AMR national action plan. Um, the last one expired in 2020. Um, over 20 sorry, over 90% of the healthcare facilities in Georgia are private, so it's challenging to work um, with implementing regulations, but everybody that we've been in touch with so far is really engaged and recognizes that this is a huge threat that they need to, to work on. So in addition to the work in Georgia, I'm coordinating um, part of the emergency response and recovery work in Ukraine on AMR. So during conflict, AMR becomes a big problem in hospitals, especially for trauma patients because of um, lack of supplies, staffing, and um, infection prevention, as well as um, diagnostic challenges. So we're working with partners to implement a large program um, starting at three hospitals next year. Um, this is sort of a preliminary model of what it will look like. And then we'll have a meeting um, in a couple of months to bring clinicians and laboratorians from um, Ukraine to tell us more about their experiences, their needs, and um, we'll go from there to, to work with these components of the, the system. Um, so finally, I'm working with um, CDC headquarters and an implementing partner to do a regional survey of um, capacities to detect, respond, and contain um, bacteria that are resistant to a certain um, class of antibiotics, carbapenems, um, which are the among the last good antibiotics in many places. The infections are also typically associated with healthcare. Um, so we'll be doing sort of three phases, uh, data review, survey, and then um, other regions are also doing this, and it should result in a sort of multi-region call to action and framework for how to proceed. Um, so it's been a busy eight months since I got here into Tbilisi, and I've learned a lot about um, putting surveillance principles into action, working with government and other partners, and adjusting to unexpected situations. Um, the CDC office here still has a bit of a skeleton crew, so it gives me an opportunity to, to do quite a bit. And um, just for fun, this says thank you very much in Georgian and uh, has a message of, of support for victory in Ukraine and, and their heroes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. But we have Caleb Ward, who is a global health epidemiology fellow working with CDC Georgia. Caleb earned his MPH in global health epidemiology from University of Michigan School of Public Health and holds a BA in public health from Calvin University. His presentation is Capacity Building Through Information Technology in the Republic of Georgia. The floor is yours. Thanks, everyone. So I'll be sharing a bit about capacity building through information technology today. Project management and collaboration has been challenging when working with partners and people who don't have access to CDC systems, as CDC doesn't allow guest access. And so our temporary solution here was setting up a Teams through a third party. They bought the license for us, and I do all the admin. And now we can have everyone on one common system. And this has already been really useful for our office as we have many contractors who don't have CDC emails. And we are using it with external partners as well. 
our goal in the future is to have the Georgian CDC manage this and invite us as guests. And they are pretty excited about this. And we are in the process of setting that up. I've also been using and teaching data visualization software, and I've been trying to show the different ways it can be used. And lots of people can take advantage of data viz regardless of what their job is. I included a couple examples of my work here. So on the left are graphs from the most recent COVID report from the Georgian CDC on breakthrough cases by vaccine type. And on the right is a cost estimator I developed for planning out our next FETP cohort. These numbers are all fake or hidden, um, but it's been a useful tool for planning out future cohorts. We've also done a lot of work with our FETP alumni. We conducted an alumni survey this past year, and here's a dashboard of some of the results. And we also have an alumni association and are using Tefi Connect for everyone to be able to engage in one place. One of the great things about this is it has a searchable directory, so we can easily find alumni who are eligible for certain trainings. For example, last week we had an Epi and Emergencies training here that people from Ukraine and a few other countries attended. And through Tefi Connect, it would be a better way to identify eligible candidates. And my favorite tool, R. I started on an R class with some people at the Georgian CDC, as you can see in this very staged photo. And we have sessions once a week. I use a lot of already made education tools that are out there for anyone to use. And I would recommend checking them out if you're interested. And lastly, data collection. We use REDCap a lot for things like vaccine effectiveness studies, AFI surveillance. I luckily already have a lot of experience with that software. So I've been using that a lot and showing others and using other tools for data collection like SurveyMonkey, EpiInfo, ODK. Um, on the left is me and Leah, who's the Deputy of Epidemiologist at NCDC, and we work closely together. She's the PI for vaccine effectiveness studies. And on the right is Levon, who's an FETP resident. And he's collecting data on a different survey we developed for the FETP group project. And I've, I've really loved my time here. I've fallen in love with Georgia and love my job as well. Our office is embedded inside the Georgian CDC, so it's great to work so closely with them. And I've learned so much, and it's been awesome to be involved in so many different things. Thanks. Thank you so much, Caleb. That was great. Now we're going to move into our third topic area, which is operations. Next, we have Nessa Ryan. Nessa is a global health epidemiology fellow working on the demand for immunization team within the immunization systems branch of the global health immunization division of CDC Atlanta. Nessa comes to us from New York University where she completed her PhD in epidemiology and a postdoc fellowship in global implementation science. The presentation is gender and immunization. Nessa, the floor is yours. Great, thanks so much, Will. So um, as you mentioned, I'm talking today about the work that I've been lucky enough to be involved with and with my mentors on incorporating gender into global immunization programming. So I'll start with a question. Um, and that is to have you think about how has gender come up in your health topics of interest? And I can remind you that gender is, um, it's a social construction and it really refers to the roles and norms and behaviors that a society deems are appropriate for individuals. And it's usually based on their sex that they were assigned at birth. And this um, sex, whereas sex, you know, refers to being male or female or intersex, um, gender is more referring to being a woman, a man, or being gender diverse. So now I'd like to break down um, how gender can operate at multiple levels to shape immunization. So next slide. Um, and on the next slide, you'll see this social ecological framing that shows that the barriers operate from the individual level on the left all the way to the more structural levels on the right. Again, my work focuses on immunization, but I'd like to encourage you to think about how relevant these barriers may be to health topics of your interest. 
So we do know that in many parts of the world that women are responsible for household duties, including caring for children, the elderly and sick, and this puts constraints on their times and reduces their availability to seek various health services. Um, they may have lower decision-making power compared to, to males, and they have reduced control over household resources to seek health services like vaccination for themselves or their children. Um, and then thinking about the community or health system level, gender and other structural um, relationships, and this would include things like class, um, ethnicity, race, these shape uh, women's participa participation in communities and health systems. Um, we know that globally about um, 70% of frontline health workforce is um, are women, but only 5% of leaders in global health organizations are women. So women's voices are often missing, missing from the spaces um, where, where decisions are made and from the leadership roles. So we can definitely see the gender barriers they're operating here, but how would you think we go about addressing them? So to answer this, um, the approach is called gender mainstreaming, which you may or may not have heard of. So um, next slide, please. We'll go into what that means. So gender mainstreaming is a process that gets us to the goal of gender equity. Um, and if we can carry out this process of gender mainstreaming, which is identifying and addressing gender inequalities and their impact, and if we can um, intervene on those, then we can expect multiple positive outcomes that are identified here um, relative, uh, specifically regarding um, immunization and immunization programming. So since joining my team in September and I'm on the demand for immunization team, if you go to the next slide, we'll go through how we've gone about gender mainstreaming in our work. So my um, mentors, Dr. Nitu Abad and Shabani Kulkarni have been involved in, um, or I've been involved in this work that they've done on the demand for immunization team, including supporting um, Shabani's science project on using family-based approaches to reduce gender barriers and increase immunization uptake, um, various analysis projects of gender-specific data from COVID-19 vaccine demand assessments carried out in the um, Africa and the um, Eastern Mediterranean region. We've engaged with partners from Gavi, the World Bank, UNICEF, and others on the on a gender work and gender and immunization working group. Um, we've supported the develop. We are currently supporting the nascent development of a gender-wide um, working group on gender equity and immunization within um, across division the across the global immunization division. And we're also preparing a special journal issue um, that will invite articles, manuscripts on topics covering gender and immunization. Um, and so I'll stop there. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. That was great. And last but not least, we have our fourth topic area, which is relationships. Our final presenter is Malavika Karen. Malavika is a program management fellow with the Office of the Director, Office of the Associate Director of Global Health Security. She supports the development of strategy and communication material for the Global Health Security Agenda. She earned her master's in public health from the University of South Florida, and the presentation is going beyond. Thank you. Thanks, Will. Um, and I'm Malavika, and um, I'm really proud to see all the amazing work by my fellow fellows. And it's nice going last because then you get to see everyone. Um, but hi, everyone. I appreciate you all being here today. I am someone who is energized by the people I work with. And one of the goals um, in my life is to ensure that the people we work with and the humans impacted by our 
um, programs are at the forefront of our thoughts and actions because I want them to be happy or everyone to be happy. So today I'm going to share an example of how my team and I kept the people helping us out on a project at the forefront of our actions. Early this year, we started reaching out to country teams to collect stories of impact for the Global Health Security Agenda's website. I see some here who helped us, so thank you. And those who have not received email from us, don't worry, you will not escape us so easily. Um, and since the project is not a time-sensitive project, we were asking for a favor that will benefit our team more than those helping us. So we tried to stay mind mindful of their workload by doing three things. One is providing the option to opt in or opt out of the project. And two, stating that the timeline is fluid so they can send us the information at their, at their pace. And three, my team could write the story. So all they need to do is provide sufficient information. We reached out to over 18 teams and none of the teams actually said no. So we're really proud of that. Some country teams sent written stories in two weeks while it took others two months to send information and asked us to choose and write the stories. Both of these methods actually worked really well for us because we got our stories and the country teams worked at their pace. And that's what we wanted um, for the country teams to you know, be comfortable and not stressed about our project. So a couple months back, my mentor, Mike Mehar, who is here, um, shared takeaways from the CJH leadership retreat. And one that I could not stop thinking about was how we need to be more mindful of in-country staff's time and workload. Because without the help, we, I mean, without them taking time out of their never diminishing workload, we would not be able to proudly talk about the um, stories of impact project with the interagency, nor be able to publish them on the Global Health Security Agenda's website. And so in my life, I like to write thank you notes as a token of appreciation. And so I started sending um, handwritten thank you notes to those who submitted their stories. And I'm really happy to say that the teams appreciated my thank you notes. Um, and I want to take, and I want to thank Mike here for encouraging me to present in front of y'all because I felt insecure um, about it not being a science-based presentation. So thanks, Mike. And um, Traval, who my teammate, is also here. So thanks for being your goofy self. Um, and while I will not be sending handwritten thank you notes to Mike, nor you all for sharing this space with me, I would like to ask you to share your gratitude with someone today, because it's important to not lose sight of the humans behind the work. Thank you, and take care. What a perfect way to end our presentations. Thank you all to all of our presenters who were able to share about their experiences as fellows. As you can see, each fellow who is part of this program is doing incredible work across the agency. We should all be proud of what we have been able to accomplish and are still accomplishing as fellows. Thank you to Mike Sage, Will Jardell, Sarah Laguerre, Caleb Ward, Nessa Ryan, and Malavika Divakaran for contributing to this episode. Thanks to all of you for tuning in to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. This podcast is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program implemented by the Public Health Institute and is partner consortium of universities for global health for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-ccfellows.org. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always subscribe or rate us and leave a review, which helps others 
find the podcast. This podcast is produced by Whitney Sturton Hall. Thank you to Christine Caraballo, Felicia Warren, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CUGH.